3: It's going to be here over the next 48 hours. And they say it's about as big as they've seen coming to this country and certainly to the East Coast as they've ever seen. We'll handle it. We're ready. We're able. We've got the finest people, I think, anywhere in the world. FEMA and first responders are out there. They're going to stand through the danger of this storm. Get out of its way. Don't play games with it. It's a big one, maybe as big as they've seen and tremendous amounts of water. The storm will come. It will go. We want everybody to be safe. We're fully prepared, food, medical, everything you can imagine. We are ready. But despite that, bad things can happen when you're talking about a storm this size it's called Mother Nature. You never know, but we know. We love you all. We want you safe. Get out of the storm's way. Listen to your local representatives. South Carolina, North Carolina, Virginia, it's heading your way. It's probably not going to change path. It's going to be hitting pretty soon. Be ready and God be with you.
1: Okay, well, aren't you glad we live up here in the.
2: Oh, absolutely.
1: Um you know that's uh I just feel so bad for
2: oh yeah and the I mean and did you see people already being rescued like for me and I did live in the uh, North Carolina anytime there was a warning I was right. like um and I lived on the close. I actually lived uh, near Wilmington and um, where they're getting hit, and right. I was like, if there was a warning, I was out. Were you then, out of there? Oh yeah, I was. Yeah.
1: You know, did you ever was there ever a hurricane hit when you were there, or just no, bad storms? just
2: bad storms, tropical storms, or they were downgraded? But the, hey, if there was a warning,
1: right? I mean, it, it's did I hear that someone forecasted there could be ten trillion gallons of rainwater? Yeah, I, I mean, can't, I can't even
2: fathom that.
1: Um, you know, and they said, what, there's 759,000 homes in the storm's path.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, they um, even said the loss of, I think there was a statistic early in the week about how many cars would be lost due to damage.
1: Re- oh, yeah. I forgot it remember, was some the,
2: catastrophic yeah. number.
1: And then, yeah. And, um, oh, the, the property damage, I think they're, you know, they're, they could be $170 billion, you, you know, um. You know, and, and Congress just right. earlier in the week, they just passed the new flood insurance thing. Mm-hmm. Remember, they just got that done before right. the storm came in. So, so, so hopefully, you know, mm-hmm. you and uh, we're all safe up here. Right. And if you do have mm-hmm. friends and family in the storm's path, hopefully, they have mm-hmm. gotten to um, safe positions. And you know, it's oh, going to be still going to wait it out. Cleanup. And
2: then hopefully, afterwards, I'm sure like any natural disaster, people come together. Did you see Ann Howard? Is it Anheuser-Busch that donated all that already? Tons of water and other supplies. And then, you know, even even though we're safe and warm, I know there's going to be yeah. lots of things about donations and books to reestablish library. All kinds of good, you know, that, that right. come together yeah. when people need help.
1: Yeah, they're, they're saying there could be 3 million people without electricity. and, and Yeah. Um, I mean, hopefully it doesn't, you know, these are mm-hmm. on the more severe. Right. But, I mean, it, 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 it leads to the question and again good morning everyone you're listening to Mark Donnelly and Carrie Waddell and this is financial food for thought mm-hmm. um, you know it just you know leaves a question that you know you got to be prepared right and and mm-hmm. with, and it's so you know now when we talk all about this show we talk about financial preparedness, right? And and so right. we can contrast that a little bit today as, as we go on with the program.
2: Right. Well, good morning, everyone. You are listening, as Mark said, to Financial Food for Thought. We're here every Saturday morning on 1420 AM between 9 and 10. We are a financial educational radio talk program here every Saturday morning. And we're here to give our listeners helpful information about issues that impact your financial life, so that you can hopefully be better prepared for what life throws at you, whether you're working, and you're thinking about preparations for your future retirement and what that means. Or if you're already in retirement, how do you take advantage of opportunities? How do you know um, and get that clarity of what I can spend? How do uh, you know, there's a lot of things that people worried about these these financial disruptors or things that happen in life. And how do you financially prepare for those contingencies? And do you you really know if those things happen, how that's going to impact you? Will it make a devastating impact or will it only make a minor impact? And that's um, what we do um, through financial modeling. The estate planning team is an Ohio registered fiduciary planning firm that sponsors this program. We're a fee-based firm, which is what you think of as traditional financial planners, which use financial models to build long-term projections, taking into account all the um, pieces of some one's financial life and build these long-term conservative realistic projections. And then we can also use these math models to model in these worst case scenarios, whether it's a recession or a market downturn or um, a premature death of a spouse, a nursing homestay, um, Uh, loss of a job and what that means and putting it all together and help people analyze choices objectively so you get the most net benefit. And the estate planning team is also accredited and A-rated members of the Better Business Bureau. And we're also Angie's List Super Super Service Award winners for multiple years. Thank you for people who have done reviews, which have been people who've come in for a consultation that we recommend they not need our services and maybe maybe pointed them in another direction or people, clients, certainly, who have been with us quite a while. Um, the estate planning team, there's a few ways we can help you. Um, one, you can too well, actually, now I should add another one. You can listen to the radio show every week or- and tell someone else about it. Um
1: is also, you know, and and we know you can't, you know, be able to hear it every Saturday morning. But remember, there's still the podcasts are out right. there. So if you go to financial, uh, well, if you go to the WHK 1420 The mm-hmm. Answer, their website, and then you click on local podcasts or podcast programming, um, there's a button for it. And then you just find our time slot, um, Financial Food for Thought, at uh, 9 a.m. on Saturdays.
2: All right. And well, I was thinking of the other way so you can listen. Um, you can come out to our classes. Now, we have two classes scheduled this fall, and I don't know how many more, depending on um, with our schedules, we'll be able to do between now and the end of the year, because certainly um, November, December, end of October is kind of crazy for us. It's it's equivalent to a tax preparer at tax preparation season because we're looking at year-end opportunities. There's a lot of things that need to be done, analysis and making recommendations and then making sure things are implemented correctly before year-end. So we get into our busy time. So if you've been thinking about the classes, make sure you register for these two. I don't know when we're if we're going to be able to get any more and I'm going to try, but um, we have next Tuesday, September 18th is our class for people who have IRAs or company plans. So I'm going to use IRAs just kind of a broad term because it's a lot easier to say then list out 401 ks 457, 403Bs, 403b's, all the tax qualified
1: plans, Kios, right. top hats, so you can go So on if you on.
2: have those assets, we're going to talk about strategies um to minimize the long-term tax impact of these assets when you disperse them. We're going to talk about rules because a lot of people aren't clear on the rules when it comes to these assets.
1: Right. You know, there's still confusion on 70 and a half rules. And, you know, people are getting confused that with, you know, age 70, you know, where you you might want to be planning to defer your Social Security to age 70, Mm -hmm. but they're confusing that with age 70 and a half Mm -hmm. with the required minimum. And, and it's just, you know, again, and, and, you, do you think you,
2: the government does that on purpose? Well,
1: you know, <laughs> the, you know, it's just the same thing we've been talking about. You know, it, it's, mm-hmm. y- y- you've never done this before. Um, and so, you know, the idea is, are you trying to learn this all on your own? or Are you going to, you know, reach out and try to get some professional help? Because some, you know, sometimes mistakes that you may make in retirement, you don't necessarily get a do over. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, and and so part of the the, the class will be going over all those rules. So you have a good understanding of what is the required minimum distribution rule um, and how it works.
2: And so we always get this question when people call in for the class. If you are 70 and a half and already following minimum required distribution or taking distributions, yes, this class is important for you to attend. Um, we're going to talk about minimum required distribution and show you examples how in a good number of cases, and in fact, the majority of cases, it actually can create more tax dollars for the government. And so we're going to talk about um, rules, costly mistakes that people make, misconceptions, um, Roth contributions versus conversion rules, and right. how everyone just, you know, yeah. sh- not a Roth conversion is not for everyone.
1: And we get that question all the time, you know, because um, a lot of people are you know looking to get into that tax free wrapper, which the Roth IRA provides, especially when they don't have to worry about federal state taxes, you mm-hmm. know, with eleven point one eight million dollar exemption, and couples get two of those, right? And Ohio repealing their estate tax back in twenty thirteen. So in the olden days, you know, well. Healthy, you, you couldn't you couldn't risk storing up a big Roth IRA if it was going to be subject to a 50%, 40 or 50% estate tax. Mm-hmm. Well, without that threat of estate taxes, because the the threshold is so high, the exemption so high, there's no problem, you know, because, you know, remember, if you have a Roth IRA, it's your Roth IRA, you don't have a required minimum. You know, there, there is no mm-hmm. required minimum for a Roth IRA. You can leave it right in there. Um, but also, if you die still owning it, meaning, you know, it's going to a non spouse Beneficiary, right. it goes income tax free, and obviously estate tax free as long as you're under you know the 11.18 mm-hmm. million dollars. Um, so you know it, it's it, it's becoming a problem. But we still get the question, Carrie, because uh, it, you know we get the question: Well, uh, can I? You know what? How can I still contribute to a Roth IRA? Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's a little bit different. You know, you at 70 and a half, you can no longer contribute to a regular IRA. All right. And now, but you have to still be working. So that's what people forget about that part. Right. Or people
2: actually end up ignoring it. We see saying, I'm not going to do a Roth because I think they don't understand the different rules and the difference between a conversion, a contribution. They're afraid they're going to make a mistake that's going to cost them. But it's a great opportunity and a great strategy if you do it right.
1: Right. So yes, if you're still working you can still contribute to a Roth IRA unless you make too much money mm-hmm. <laughs> because there's a upper cap limit, you know, and, and we go over all those at the class and we give you the, the recent tax tables and, and for, for your reference. But you know, the idea is no, but if you're, if you don't have earned income, you you cannot do a roth ira contribution. Mm-hmm. So that's why we talk a lot about the class about roth conversions. You know, the idea that you're converting an existing ira to a roth ira. Mm-hmm. You know, there are, you know, you don't have to be working to be able to do that.
2: Right. So, those are the things that we talk about the class. Um, We do have some seating available, although we have a good number of people signed up. It is next Tuesday, September 18th at 3 o'clock, right in Middleburg Heights. Usually lasts two, two and a half hours. So, if you have to leave early, that's okay. I know, Mark, you do a break for the class. Mark Donnelly actually is the speaker for the class. And we get into a lot of in depth detail. Everyone who attends gets a free workbook that has the tax tables, rules, all of this in writing, examples, lots of helpful information. So, again, if you're 50, Fifty nine and a half or older, and if you're seventy and a half or older, come out to this class if you have these assets. Uh, September eighteenth at three o'clock in Middleburg Heights, it's free to attend. You can register online at financialfoodforthought.com or call the estate planning team at four four zero two three nine twenty ninety. That's 440-239-2090 or financialfoodforthought.com and keep tuning in. I'm going to tell you about other classes and you're always welcome to come in right. for a free so, consultation. Yeah.
1: So we'll go over those in a, uh, uh, as well. Um, so a lot to talk about. You know, mm-hmm. September a, always a, a difficult month, right? You know, we just got through the 9-11, mm-hmm. you know, um, and that will never, that changed everything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also, you know, Carrie, this would be the 10th, you know, anniversary of the Lehman Brothers collapse, mm-hmm. right? And so, you know, there was a you know, in the the Great Recession, right, which started in two thousand eight. Now there that, you know, see that was a huge game changer right?
2: For a lot of people.
1: And, you know, that hurt. it's ten years later, how's everybody doing? but i mean it was september 15th of 2008 that's when lehman brothers you know which was a, by the way a 600 billion dollar company mm-hmm. okay um, still i believe it's the largest bankruptcy filing in us history right mhm um, and you know it 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 just really it, no no one had ever thought that that could happen too big to fail um And, you know, it, it's – so they found some of the the people that went through that, and they, they kind of asked them to reflect on that now 10 years later. Mm. And one case, um, Lisa Reitman, she had an interesting uh, –
2: Take on
1: it. Uh, you know, um, so she was a managing director at Lehman Brothers. And on that day, 10 years ago, this day, 10 years ago, she was enjoying herself at a block party with her family in Connecticut. Right. Mm-hmm. When a neighbor who also worked for Goldman Sachs approached her and said, hey, I heard you were filing today. Obviously, meaning bankruptcy. Right. She was blindsided.
2: So she didn't even know.
1: No. She finds it out at the, at the barbecue.
2: Ooh, ouch.
1: OK. Now, she had recently switched jobs to come over. Ugh. To Lehman Brothers, okay, um, and at the time she was leaving a good established job, and she was convinced that Lehman knew what they were doing, right? right. Well, um, look,
2: I mean, a big company like that, why wouldn't you think they? She
1: was, uh, you know, she was she got a pretty good job with them. She was hired to work on fund derivatives. Okay, hmm. okay, she was paid around a million dollars a year. <sighs> nice. Okay, um, she converted all everything she had to Lehman stock. Oh,
2: but she should know better. <laughs> okay.
1: Um, and, you know, and, you know, she start. you know, she was all in. And then when she saw, you know, she saw the signs, you know, like, cause like people who were sitting next to her or were no longer sitting next to her. Okay. And she didn't know if they were quitting or being let go. So she kind of saw the writing on the wall, but had no idea what was coming down. Um, You know, and so, you know. It, it, it just says you know you, you, and it happened here too. you know we have National city Bank in mm-hmm. this town and there are a lot of people who you know owning national city stock made them millionaires right and they and they we couldn't get them to sell their shares
2: right or just even because they had so much, maybe you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket right
1: until national city stock went to zero. Um, but then so did their, you know, so went their retirement plan.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Um, could it happen again? I believe it um, could. You know, you now, you know, so what is, um, so what are some of the, you know, how are people doing? Um, so here's some experts. Um, so they're saying the recovery has been what, unequal. Okay. You know, because we keep saying the middle class is getting squeezed. And so they're saying is the recovery since the Great Recession has only you know built that up you know right. stronger and quicker. Mm-hmm. In other words, there are a lot of people that recovered just fine. Mm-hmm. They're the ones that didn't panic, maybe stayed in the stock market, were qualified, had qualified work, they didn't lose mm-hmm. their job, or they could get reemployed at, right. at, at an equivalent wage, right? Um, so they they are tended to be better off today. Um, but you know the, all those other individuals who maybe lost their jobs, or um, you know, you know, d- sold all their stocks or what was left of their stocks, and right. been sitting in cash ever since. Okay, they have not recovered so well. Okay, which is leads to the, today. You know, we have the big inequality, right? Right. Um,
2: but Mark, did you see this week? Though I did see it on Fox. Biz, said middle class income was highest on record. That it is going up?
1: Well, worldwide or are they talking about the U.S.? The U.S. Because I know the worldwide they're saying that, that
2: the the world, the world. Yeah, because they were talking about the U.S. median household income now is up, 61,372, which is the largest since 1967, largest increase. Okay, good. So we're headed in the. I just think there still is, you're talking, a big discrepancy.
1: Right. And of course, there's a lot of people in this country who make more than $61,000 who still think they're in the middle class.
2: Absolutely. Pew Research has an online tool now to see if you're in the middle class or upper class.
1: So that's just the medium, as Carrie said. It's just that, you know, where the middle of the middle is, Mm -hmm. you know, um, but uh, all right. So, you know, and, you know, as the so... And and they also said, you know, what happened was that because of the Great Recession, people lost jobs, (laughs) they did other maneuvers, like they started taking Social Security early. Right. Okay. Um, And, you know, that penalty, and they were taking that penalty. Um, Maybe
2: some people took money out of their retirement accounts to cover expenses. You think?
1: Um, You know, they also, or some people had to go, you know, they had to get um, reeducated. In in, right. in in a in a in a position oh, of employment, student loan
2: debt increases.
1: You know, the student loan debt is one point five trillion today. Part right. a lot of people believe a big part of that was the Great Recession, um, because but, a lot of people, you know. But
2: education, I'd like to know the number of what um, the inflation rate of uh, you know secondary education or or college education. I bet it's gone up substantially.
1: But you know, and if if you if you if you're looking to read up on i mean because if you are reflecting i mean what you know i've talked about this before my 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 go-to book if you want to know what was really going on read you know michael lewis is the big short now i okay. know the movie came out a, co- a couple years ago okay. Okay? i'm not talking okay go get the movie but the, right. the movie doesn't do it get the book okay all right um you, you know um just because it, it just shows you i mean why didn't anybody else see this coming other than, you know, Steve Eisman, right, you know, uh, 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 and, a, and a few others.
2: Yeah, you would think, uh, you know, Goldman had a lot of smart people. What happened?
1: Um, the Lehman Brothers. Okay. So this is an excerpt out of, uh, you know, The Big Short. And, I, you know, was just, this was just a, a little bit of paragraph that just really brought it home to me. Okay. Um, so they're talking about Long Beach Savings, which was a bank, you know, and, and they specialize in asking homeowners with bad credit and no proof of income, to accept floating rate mortgages. What? Okay, no money down.
2: That's absurd. You can
1: defer interest payments if you'd like. Okay. So you don't Uh, have
2: income, and I don't need proof, and I can have bad credit, so I historically don't have a way to pay my bills, and I've historically said, hey, I've come on hard times, or I haven't paid my bills in the past, but I'm going to give you a loan.
1: But by the way, it's going to be an adjustable rate mortgage, so the mortgage rate might go up on you.
2: That's does it matter if you're not paying it? Period.
1: Well, okay, so so that's
2: insane.
1: So the the great case was, you know, he lists, you know, in Bakersfield, California, a Mexican strawberry picker with an income of fourteen thousand dollars, that's annual income, okay, and no English, was lent every penny he needed to buy a house for seven hundred twenty-four
2: thousand. See, but that. That's terrible. I mean, that's no common sense.
1: Everyone's to blame, right? Okay, um, you know, I shame Eisman, on
2: lots of people.
1: Eiseman was the one who said this is insanity. This is I agree. You remember because he had he had a he had a South American housekeeper, right? And she he was surprised the day when he when she came to him and <laughs> said that she was pla- uh, planning on buying a townhouse in Queens. And the, he said the price was absurd and, and they were giving her, a, you know, a no money down option, just by a mortgage. He said, well, you know, he, he, he texted. He she talked, couldn't even he, afford
2: the lo- mortgage. He talked her out time. of it. At least. Right. He, he
1: said, no, you got to get a fixed mortgage. OK. But uh,
2: even so, Mark, sometimes people can't even afford those payments based on a fixed rate, regardless of the adjustable.
1: He also he also had a housekeeper from Jamaica. I mean, a, a, a babysitter from Jamaica, right. basically, you know, to take care of his daughters while he was working. Um, so this is a Jamaican, you know, he said she was a lovely woman, you know, Corrine and Corrine came to one side and she says that her and her sister had owned six townhouses in Queens. And (laughs) he's like, Corrine, how did that happen? And and it happened because after they bought the first one and its value rose, the lenders came and suggested they refinance, take out 250,000, which they used to buy another. And then that rose, So they did it again and again and again. Mm. Um Coordinated advisors. You think that's important? Um, you know, another. You know, another great book that I that that kind of talks about this is Wayne Allen Root's book, Gary, The Murder of the Middle Class. Okay, that's a good read. Okay, um, and he gives a quote in that. Because that that takes more. It, I mean, it's, it's, it's the backdrop is a great recession, but it's also okay. about what the Federal Reserve, you know, and Ben Bernanke and what, you know, he's doing. And so he, he there's a Here's a quote of the book. OK. And see if you can guess who said this. I believe that banking institutions are more dangerous to our liberties than standing armies. If the American people ever allow private banks to control the issue of their currency, first by inflation, then by deflation, and banks and corporations that will grow up around the banks will deprive the people of all property until their children wake up homeless on the continent their fathers conquered. Ooh. Now.
2: I don't know who said that.
1: Was that Barack Obama who said that? No. Was that Donald Trump? Who said that? Maybe. Was it Thomas Sowell?
2: Oh, maybe. I would I would guess because I love Thomas Sowell's quotes. He has some of the best, most common sense.
1: How about Milton Friedman? Hmm. No, it wasn't Milton Friedman. He was the one that said, you know, if you put the federal government in charge of the uh, Sahara Desert in five years, they'd be a shortage of sand.
2: Ah, that's right. No, actually, you know who said that quote? Ooh.
1: Thomas Jefferson. Oh, Wow. Um, hmm. And so, was he that smart?
2: I believe, yeah, possibly.
1: Um, to see, you know, what was going to happen. Smarter
2: than the people that were giving loans that they shouldn't have been.
1: Okay, so you know, it, it's so. Ten years later, how are you doing? Have you survived? Has it gotten worse? Have you feel that you're falling below the middle class, or not even keeping up with the middle class? Or if the government says you're really at the middle class, and you really don't think you have a middle class life. Okay. Um, You know, here's the last. uh, This was uh, an article out of the New York Times and just talking about 10 years later from the Great Recession. And this is a scathing, I think, quote. Okay. Um, So, data from the Federal Reserve show that over the last decade and a half, the proportion of family income from wages. has dropped from nearly 70% to just under 61%. It's an extraordinary shift, driven largely by the investment profits of the very wealthy. In short, the people who possess tradable assets, especially stocks, have enjoyed a recovery that Americans dependent on savings or income from their weekly paychecks have yet to see. Ten years after the financial crisis, getting ahead by going to work every day seems quaint. akin to using the phone book to find a number or renting a video at Blockbuster. Hmm. So how are you doing? Um, You know. So you know. It's can it happen again? You know. Probably. Are you preparing? You know. It's been the longest U.S. expansion in history. Mm -hmm. You know, because that Great Recession ended back in two thousand nine. Even though for a lot of middle class Americans, it doesn't felt like it ended.
2: Right. And for our clients, some clients were really affected and had to adjust their discretionary spending or if they were working, maybe they had to adjust how long they had to work from what their original plan was or, or and other people yeah, they took a hit, but they were still going to be okay. And everybody's different. And do you know? Right. Are you prepared? Even if it's not a recession, what about a correction? Right. What about a market downturn?
1: And, and what about a loss of job? What you know? Any of these other things that can upset the apple cup. But the idea is, um, for you know, we work through our clients through the lost decade. You know, because it happened twice. In, you know, we had, you know, the 2000, right. you know, uh, tech bubble burst. And, you know, then we had nine right. eleven, you know, and then we had the 2008. Right. So that lost decade, right? You know, and, and the idea was, you know, the people you have, you know, that's what I'm saying. We had contingency plans, you know, or, you know, and, and some of our clients, Carrie, are never going to recover. Mm-hmm. We know that. I mean they're never going to get back to the plan that they thought they were going to have.
2: Right, but they at least know what adjustments they yes, need to make exactly. to make their pla- plan last longer.
1: Right. They need to know if they couldn't retire as quick, how many more years would they have right. to work? Um, mm-hmm. or if they were they retired and thought they could have a certain amount of discretionary spending, how much less, how much discretionary spending would have to be cut, you know, based on the the actual reality.
2: And and I was going to say how many people maybe were um, never going in the market again and stayed in cash and cds even with these low rates and they said they don't care if they have safety of principle and they can sleep at night then yeah, um, how, much- how does that affect my spending or my future travel right. or my entertainment or my hobbies and yeah. we can do that right. because how- you know what they may logically we say you know you should probably stay you know get more growth but they can't do it
1: well how much risk do you need to be okay see, see one of Things that you know, you want the robot to tell you. you. Don't you? Don't you know? The investment advisors always start by saying, "Oh, I could get you X percent rate." Well, no, maybe we try to flip that upside down. At the estate planning. Maybe we start by saying let's build a financial plan first. Let's build in your mandatory living expenses. Mm-hmm. Let's build in your uh, 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 a conservative realistic budget for health insurance. Okay. Let's talk about discretionary spending. You know, that could be travel. That could be hobbies. That could be gifting either to the kids and grandkids or could be charitable gifting even. And you know, how about, you know, let's build in an automobile replacement. Oh, your daughter's not married yet. Perhaps we should build in a wedding, um, oh, you have some home improvements. Uh, you know, do, you know. Oh, you want a beggar? You want to upgrade your home? Or right. you, you want a second home? Um, you know, we could go on and on. But the, you know, but the idea is saying, okay, uh, you know, what rate of return on investments are you going to need to make that plan a
0: reality?
2: and in turn sometimes we find that people are taken and have that coordination of advisors with their investment person saying what because we know what growth rate do they need to do all the things they want to then we come back and saying hey maybe you're taking on more risk than you need to To be okay.
1: And, and a good, and if you come to the, the classes, I know, you know, you, you want to, I know you're going to talk about the other class coming Mm -hmm. up too, but, um, at the retirement class, you know, we, we go, you know, the 4% rule, you know, we spend a lot of time with that because we still get a lot of misconceptions about what the 4% rule is. You know, how does it work? But more importantly, it's not that whether the 4% rule is broken or not, it's mathematics. You know, math doesn't break down. Right? Two plus two is four today. Two mm-hmm. plus two was four t- 10 years ago. Two plus two will be four ten 10 years from now. Okay. I-, I
2: debate that, Mark, now with some of the schools. Oh, you can be a two plus two can be five if you can explain why you think that's right.
1: Um, but, you know, so the idea is what 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 people are, they're, they're misusing the 4% rule or, or better, better express is they're not customizing the 4% rule to their own circumstances. If you're getting lost in this conversation, come to the class and, you know, we'll go through, you know, how you know, William Benjamin created the four percent rule. If you've never seen it, and, and but more importantly, how you need to customize it to your own circumstances.
2: Right, and um, you can the estate planning team offers a free consultation, which we can do by phone or in person. Which is about your questions, your concerns, your numbers. We give you specifics. We spend time with you. And if we can't help you, we'll at least point you in the right direction. That's, again, free, no pressure, no obligation consultation. We also have the two planning classes. Make sure you sign up if you have those IRAs, company plans, or similar assets. Tuesday, September 18th at 3 p.m. in Middleburg Heights. And we'll talk about Ross, minimum required distribution, and much more. Then our other class, October 3rd, which is more than half full right now. So make sure you sign up early on October 3rd third, uh, that's a Wednesday at six o'clock in Independence, right at 77 in Rockside, is for people who are already in their retirement years. Or if you're starting to think about your future retirement, and we're talking about steps and strategies you should be taking in preparation for and during retirement. Concerns about when I can afford to retire, or if I'm in retirement, what spending I can do, how to address issues, rising healthcare costs, inflation, market volatility, and other financial disruptors. We'll even talk about retirement rules, like the 4% rule is one, that are often misused, misunderstood, Social Security elections, um, Medicare thresholds, and um, also, the tax laws and understanding the opportunities and the traps in the complicated tax code and, the, and those um, thresholds and how to get the most net benefit from the choices that you're faced with. Again, both classes have a free workbook. They're free to attend, they have tax tables and other helpful information. Um, you can register or come in for a free consultation at 440 239 2090. If you leave a message now, we'll get back to you on Monday morning. That's 440-239-2090. If you also go online to FinancialFoodForThought.com, that's FinancialFoodForThought.com. You can contact us for the consultation, get more details on the classes, sign up for the classes right online, or you can sign up for the newsletter as well. All
1: right. You're listening to Mark Dolly and Kara Waddell, and we're the co-owners of the estate planning team. And the state planning team has been helping Cleveland families build custom financial plans for over 33 years. And we do it one plan, one family at a time. And we've also been, you know, talking in September, back-to-school month, right, Karen? Mm -hmm. Are you getting into the routine now? Oh, yeah,
2: back, yeah. Kind of nice to be back in a routine schedule. Um,
1: You know, and, um, all right. So, you know, we've been talking a lot about... You know, the worth of a college education versus how much debt are you going to go into to obtain that college education? Um, There's some interesting statistics about college students, Carrie. 86% of college students say they've cheated.
2: Okay. Um, Really? That's high.
1: Really? You think? Yeah, of course. That's high.
2: I think that is so high.
1: That's so high, Carrie.
2: That is really high.
1: I I I take it you weren't in that eighty six percent.
2: No, like I yeah I.
1: Okay, because you you mentioned Pew Research, right? That's who did this study. Um, Dang, fifty five percent of college. Presidents said that plagiarism in students' papers has increased over the past 10 years. I doubt if the internet has helped with that.
2: I'm surprised because they have those programs now where they can tell you. Well, that's why, yeah, maybe that's why they know. Right now, where before they couldn't tell. Well, you
1: know, my point is can you write anything that hasn't been written before?
2: Right. But they can tell you what percentage of the paper is like you can put it through a plagiarizer before you submit now. Right.
1: Um, So I
2: would think people wouldn't be trying to. Unless yeah. you have a paper full of quotes.
1: And they say, you know, among those <laughs> who have seen an increase in plagiarism, 88% said computers and Internet have played a major role, obviously. Um, you know, I mean, that's what I'm saying. You know, it, it, it that's the that's a difference between the millennials, right? And I, I, do I have to start talking about the Z generation you're carrying? No. The millennials kids? Uh, no, I,
2: we're not there okay, yet. good.
1: All right. So, but for the millennials, you know, because the millennials will be the first generation that, you know, won't remember a time before the Internet, Right. Um, And, you know, one of the benefits that I think the millennials will have a better um because we don't even talk about your generation, Carrie. Right. next generation, you're too yeah. small. We don't you know, we don't even talk okay. about you guys. But I think the millennials will actually have a better retirement than the baby boomers, um, unless they go through a lost decade, you right. Know, right before Which they, they could. retire. But you know, but also because of the power of the internet, if they ever start using it to their advantage. Because having instant acquired knowledge is tremendously beneficial where you don't have to guess at anything anymore. You can just, at your hand, is the answer. As right. curious,
2: looking, at looking at my yeah. <laughs> at,
1: at <laughs> That's funny, edible. yeah, because my husband
2: gets mad at the kids. He's like, oh, if they mention something, he'll say, oh, what, are you guys going to just Google it? Well, uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. That's gonna, what they do. Do you want to argue with me? Let's see what Google says.
2: Right. That's exactly how they...
1: Um, all right. Let's see. Here's an interesting statistic. Uh, 25% of students at elite U.S. colleges are now classified as disabled.
2: Oh, I did see that.
1: Okay. Um, Largely because of mental health issues.
2: Okay. You're going to talk about that, which I know like at my son's school now, um, a lot of students say, and I'm not saying that people don't. All of a sudden now people are having dogs in their dorm as comfort animals, and there's a huge wave of people who have Great Danes and other large dogs in a college dorm? The poor dogs. That's what I'm thinking. Um, <laughs> what about the, the dog's needs?
1: I'm sure that's, I'm sure that <laughs> dog's ideal condition living in a frat house. Yeah. Um,
2: or a th- dorm, a one room dorm.
1: Yeah, nothing worse. Um, all right. So this all, you know, so there's an argument or a debate going on is college worth it anymore? Mm hmm. Um, and we've been talking about that. If you go and go back mm-hmm. and catch our previous podcast, you'll hear. But, um, but the idea is, you know, let's talk about Ohio because, it, to me, the problem is there are too many colleges. Mm-hmm. And they, they have to reduce the price increase of colleges. How can colleges keep going up and how can there be so many colleges? But
2: I would think with so many that their costs would be down because it'd be so competitive,
1: right? But since the government had opened the door for student loans, the prices just escalated,
2: right? But I think it's—is it because of administration? Are they top heavy? Are they?
1: I mean, seriously, would Harvard ever have to charge a student again? No. They have a thirty-eight whatever billion dollar endowment fund. Mm-hmm. I mean, why are they charging a tuition at all? New York for for,
2: for special programs, administrative, new buildings, whatever. Now,
1: New York University, their medical school, they came out and said, "We're not going to, we're going to drop tuition." Okay. Because we have so much money, we don't need to charge medical students. Okay. You think that would people would be happy about that? I yeah. Well, apparently, a lot of people not happy about that.
2: Who's not happy?
1: Because it's going to be white privilege. Because the only ones that are going to be going to New York University's med school are going to be white privileged students.
2: No, I think it's students that have studied and decided they want to be a doctor and have committed to going to school for a very long time. I mean, there's other fields if you want to make money that you go into.
1: Okay, but the the argument is, no, because they say, hey, look at here, three quarters of med students who, you know, graduating they got a medium beginning salary of 192,000
2: but do you understand how much debt doctors have before and how many years they have to go to school for that education
1: well you know so you can't make everybody happy carrie
2: Uh, right but i'm just saying shouldn't people be rewarded for spending the extra time and going to school and
1: to me it's mind-boggling if new york university says we're not going to charge anymore for med school who's going to complain why are you complaining
2: and you know what? Frankly, we need more doctors.
1: And you think maybe that I'll draw some competition so maybe some of the other schools may follow suit?
2: Right. And what's it to you if it's not coming out of your pocket?
1: Because um, maybe now you're, you're not going to be a taxpayer on the hook for right. uh, defaulting student loans because universities are no longer charging tuition. See, there is a, there is there are some group of people out there, carry think that the only answer is free college because the taxpayers aren't going to foot the bill for the defaulted loans.
2: Which is crazy. I think that's crazy. I don't think we should just give everybody free college. Or, like I said, there's. Well,
1: a- you're giving them loans that they're never going to repay.
2: Well, maybe we, we know need to that, think about f- controlling the. Finding a way to cut, you know, get college no, down. Maybe okay. we get rid of all those um, electives that have nothing to do with your major,
1: um, you know, uh, the fluff classes. So let's look at Ohio. Okay. All right. Um so, you would think, Carrie, well, would you think I guess is a question that there'd be a difference in the Ohio public school graduate versus the Ohio private school graduate in terms of how much student loan debt that they graduate with?
2: Oh, absolutely, I would guess private loan school- private schools would have much higher debt because tuition's crazy at private schools.
1: You would think I would think okay, so let 's look at some numbers, okay, all right um. Any private colleges you'd like to see? How about Oberlin College? Okay. Okay. The average student loan debt upon graduation is twenty nine thousand seven eighty one. Okay. How about John Carroll University? Okay. Thirty thousand eight sixty.
2: Okay. How so-
1: about Case Western? Twenty nine thousand seven eighty
2: seven. So they're all about thirty thousand. How about
1: it. the University of Dayton? Any you know? I know a lot. Of, you okay. Um, thirty five thousand six hundred eighty nine dollars. Who is at the top of the list? Xavier University. Okay. 40,868. Who's at the bottom of the list, the, this list uh, compiled? Mm-hmm. Kenyon College, 21,000. Okay. So there's a spread from 21,400 to 40,800. Okay. Now let's look at the public's Ohio schools. Okay. Because these are going to be much lower, right?
2: I You would think. Oh, of
1: course. Okay. Any favorites on this list, Carrie? How about Ohio University? Okay. I have a daughter attending Ohio University. All right. Okay. 27,993. Okay. How about o- Ohio State University?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Twenty eight thousand one fifty eight. What were those what was the range on the private
2: college? Not is much it? different. Twenty hmm.
1: How about Miami University? Okay,
2: that's a isn't my I thought my Miami's public? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that.
1: That's one of the most expensive public schools. Okay, in the that's why
2: I think as tuition I'm thinking. Twenty nine thousand
1: <laughs> four hundred thirty four. We're giving the average student loan debt upon graduation.
2: Okay. Twenty
1: nine thousand. How about Kent State University? All right. That's going to be on the bottom, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, that's actually at the top. 32790 So the range on...
2: Really isn't that much of a difference so the, when you talk about what the cost is.
1: Right. So the range... What did I give you the range for the public?
2: 21400 to 40800 The
1: range for the uh, public, 25800 to $32,800. Hmm. It's a conspiracy.
2: Or is it? I, yeah, it doesn't make sense.
1: Um, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, they've somehow are all these universities, whether public or private, are they all in it? Are they in with the government? When is college education going to be free in this country?
2: I don't want it to be free. I just want it to be more affordable and, um, and a more practical side right. of things.
1: Now, but let's say you're planning on paying for it. Okay. Um, so we talked, we were talking about it a little bit last week. We were talking about the difference, if you're, you know, of whether you're going to use a like a five twenty nine plan, which is a tax free alternative to save for college education, versus a Roth you talked about, versus a Roth IRA. And um, again, you know, now a lot of people had never thought that a Roth IRA could be a college. Uh, savings tool Mm -hmm. and in this case you know we're not necessarily talking about for your own college we're really you know which it could be but maybe for the parents right for the parents or maybe the grandparents okay Okay. if there are any grandparents out there who are saying you know I think my grandkids need some help because I don't want them graduating with $30,000 of uh, debt Mm -hmm. all right Um, you know because they went to you know Ohio University Um, now Um, So, but yeah, so let's see if I can just find, maybe it's just easier to read this. Um, So, you know, the idea of a a Roth IRA, Carrie, now there's, remember, after tax money goes into a Roth IRA. So whether you're making a Roth IRA contribution or you're making a Roth IRA conversion, the amount that's going into the Roth IRA is after tax. You, mm-hmm. you don't get a tax break for right. contributing or converting. So if you're converting from an IRA to a Roth IRA, you're paying the tax to do the conversion.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You're taking taxable, you're taking a taxable distribution from the IRA, but you're rolling it into a Roth IRA, so that becomes your basis. Your, you know, you're, so now you have a basis in your Roth IRA, meaning that's after-taxed money. And of course, after tax money can never be taxed again, right? Because mm-hmm. you've already paid taxes on it. The tax free nature is that the earnings on the Roth IRA can come out income tax free as long as you follow the rules. Right. And if you don't know the rules, you know, come to the class and we'll go through the rules. But basically there's a five year holding period to get the, you know, earnings out tax free. Um, and there's could be some fifty nine and a half rules, right? but there are some exceptions if you want to use the Roth IRA to pay for college. Okay. Um, because remember you could always get your basis out tax free. Right. Okay. Um, you know, and, and because that's after tax money anyways, mm-hmm. and the Roth IRA allows you to take your tax basis out first and leave your defer, you know, your right. earnings in there. That's allowed with the law. All right. Um, now, now, but what if you wanted, what if you needed more than your basis? Well, earnings in a Roth IRA can also be withdrawn for college expenses without paying penalties. Okay. Um, but you will have to pay the taxes on the earnings. In other words, in other words, if the earnings haven't been in there five right. years, okay, you're not going to get the tax free earnings out, but you could still take them out without having that early withdrawal penalty. Okay, okay, so generally, if you withdraw earnings from a roth i r a before you are fifty nine and a half, the money will be subject to income taxes and a ten percent penalty, but withdrawals for qualified higher education expenses for you, your spouse, your children, or grandchildren are an exception that you do not have to pay the penalty, okay, okay, so you know that so you know so that may be a way that you want to say, okay, can I you know, am I going to use a Roth IRA with that? With has a lot less restrictions on it than, for for example, like a college five twenty nine plan. Um, and, and and again, if my kid or my grandkid doesn't go to college, no harm. Right. it's still my Roth IRA by the way I could change my mind maybe I don't want to you know give money to Johnny to go to the college because he's right. not going to the college that I you know approve
2: or he's in trouble or whatever the reason is right
1: so and, and so but now you want to maybe measure that if it's your child that you want to me- measure and just say hey where is my 59 and a half age falling along upon my children's college education years mm-hmm Okay. And, you know, can I work that in the plan? Can I tell the robot, hey, is this going to work for me?
2: Right. And if you want to come out to our free educational classes, you can do that. We have Tuesday, September 18th at three o'clock in Middleburg Heights is our IRA and Roth planning class. And then October 3rd, at six o'clock in Independence is our class for people who are retired or thinking about their future retirement years and issues that impact your lifestyle and long-term financial stability, spending issues, rising healthcare costs, inflation, market volatility. Um, And both classes include free workbooks just for attending. We do ask that you pre-register so that we have enough workbooks and seats available, which you can do at 440-239-2090 or visit financialfoodforthought.com. That's 440-239-2090 or financialfoodforthought.com to register. Or if you can't make it, come in for a free, no-obligation consultation. All right.
1: Um, so we have a few minutes left. Again, right. our prayers and thoughts go out to all the people Absolutely. in Florence's path. Uh, and uh, although it's not equivalent, Carrie... Um, Maybe we can use Florence or Hurricane mm-hmm. disaster planning, right, as analogous to what we're saying. Are you doing your own
2: financial, financial
1: disaster plan? Sometimes we call that building your plan R. Mm-hmm. You know, R for could be for recession, right? Um, so you know, we're hearing more and more. When is that recession coming, Carrie? Can you, do you?
2: Yeah, I don't know. I don't have a crystal ball. Sometime I can say it. Sometime in the future. Okay. <laughs> and it's happened in the past
1: um we're never, so we are gonna have another u.s recession I are, going on, are you going on a limb? I
2: believe at some point we will when I have no right. clue um
1: 2020 is the leading right you know um you know but it, it's it,
2: different this time right well
1: yeah um even even you know I love president Trump even he's inconsistent you know he's saying you know everything's going gangbusters the tax cuts are working right. um it's gonna be really, high, yeah. But yet he says if he's impeached, the stock market's gonna crash, right? You know. So, but so what? You, so let's look at that. You know, because just like hurricanes, carried we saw all the financial model, or not? Excuse me, all the weather models, you right. know, trying to predict
2: which way it'll go,
1: what time it's gonna hit shore, where is it gonna hit shore, What and strength, sort of yeah. Okay. Now, are the models always right? No. No. You know, and that's the point. All models are wrong, right? But some are useful.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, because even though the model was not going to exactly pinpoint the exact minute that the hurricane was going to hit landfall or the exact, you know, coordinates.
2: Right. It helped a lot of people. We know it Right, and it helped a lot of people know should I get out of its way?
1: Right. Well, you could say the same thing about what we're talking about building a plan R. Yeah, the idea is are you modeling in the next whatever you want to call it, market correction, U.S. recession, what have you, some negative financial impact that's totally beyond your control. Right. Okay. And if you think that perhaps that's in the shorter end of the calendar, meaning that event could happen in the next two to three years, as opposed to you're in the what-me-worry camp and think it's still five or six years more out, The more you're on the camp that says you think it could happen in the next couple, two to three years, that's when you maybe want to start telling the robot to build your plan R.
0: Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And so you're running a, a, a secondary plan. Your plan A is just, you know, if everything goes fine you know what me worry but you're just for fun you're building a plan r and saying what if things don't go so fine in the next few years
2: and then you know you can see that hey these are the adjustments i would need to make to make my plan work if this ca- catastrophic event financial right. event happened
1: so it's that now we're not saying you need to store up the bottled water but are you are you thinking about how much of a cash reserve that you should have in place so if the market starts coming down you have alternatives to do the things you wanted to do without having the you know the the problem of selling your stocks in a down market. Right. That's part of the planning.
2: All right, come in for a free consultation or come out to our fall classes at 440-239-2090 or visit financialfoodforthought.com.